Hi there, and welcome to the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Neufeld-Flanagan, expat and interior designer based in Dublin, Ireland. This show is all about informing and inspiring you, homeowners and renters in Ireland, on all things around property, housing, and home, from self-building to choosing flooring. In each episode, we interview industry experts and homeowners to give you practical advice and the motivation to create and elevate your spaces. Welcome to the Interiors Podcast. I'm Tanya Neufeld-Planagan, and here with me, I have Rob Hennessy, who you might know from The Great House Revival. Rob was season three, episode one that came out almost a year ago. So welcome, Rob, and tell us a little bit more uh, about your house and your project so people can maybe remember that episode. Absolutely, and it's lovely to meet you, Tanya, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, so I was the, the beautiful Victorian terraced house overlooking the River Lee or the Cork Harbour as it's coming in with unbelievable picturesque views of the beautiful harbour itself. And uh, it was a, probably a project that, you know, I had little to no experience from the, <laughs> the building construction game, but it was a project I took on because I had a very, very limited budget. I think you might remember it was about yeah. 120,000. I started yeah. off as a budget. Hugh, Hugh um, laughed at you. He was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, like, he thought wallpaper, one room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I'm lucky, right? Um, but yeah, so, and then I, I suppose because of that and because of my limited budget, I was kind of willing to, I suppose, roll up the sleeves and kind of figure it out and get onto YouTube and Google. And and, and obviously, thankfully, my dad has been in, in the construction industry all his life. So I was able to kind of pick his brain a lot. And, you know, it was right in the middle of lockdown as well, the first COVID lockdown. And uh, so there was plenty of video calls with dad every evening. And he was giving me a list of chores to get done. And wow. I'd call him back and I'd go, look what I've done. And so onto the next project part of it then, like, you know, yeah. Not to mention then meeting, starting to date your future your future wife and yeah. getting pregnant and having a baby in a construction site. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, it was, it was mental how it all, how it all worked out. And, you know, Katie was fantastic. I mean, like, I don't think I could, I don't think there's many people out there who would move into a freezing cold construction site, mind you, because <laughs> the house had no heating whatsoever in it. And um, it, it, it used to originally was heated by set by seven fireplaces scattered throughout the house. And uh, it never had a boiler. Know, no, it never had a. Oh, sorry, it had um, an immersion for hot water, but that yeah. was it. There was no like, there was oh, no radiators around the house. God. So, yeah, that's so quite rare. Little, yes, yes, it is. It is wow. very rare. Um, I think the previous owner, um, um, she was a lovely elderly lady, but she was kind of kind of stay in the kitchen, and she had her, an old range that probably kept her that obviously kept her warm, yeah. but uh, but but she kind of stayed there. But the rest of the house was just a fridge. I remember one day actually walking outside and I and it was cold outside but I got I got a belt of heat it was like that moment we got the plane in, in Spain you get this wallop of heat yeah. it was the exact same feeling and I couldn't believe it that was like two degrees outside so inside the house was colder than outside so it was oh, um, a couple God. of cold couple of cold spells here yeah yeah so take us back a little bit like the episode obviously throws us straight you know you have the keys and you've yeah. moved in and Hughes there um but how did you decide on the house? Did you like factor in the renovation budget into your mortgage? Did you know that you were going to do so much DIY work? How much did your dad help you? Tell us about that. Because a lot of people, I think, are often like, okay, this is my budget. I could spend all of it on the house and get something mm. in a better condition. But you know, maybe it's something that doesn't have as much character. They don't love as much, but it's in the right area. And then other times people look at these these houses and they're like oh my god that would be amazing but 
I wouldn't know where to start. And so they don't have the amazing bullishness that you clearly had. (laughs) So tell us more about that decision so people can understand it. Yeah, so I'll go back a couple of years. So at the time, I I was actually living in the area. I was literally two minutes down the road renting renting an apartment uh, in, in the kind of Passage West area. Again, it was overlooking the harbor, and that's how I kind of fell in love with the areas. Mm-hmm. I've I've always been drawn to water for some reason. I'm from Tipperary, the, the Midlands. There's no water on me, so I don't know where I got this draw to water. But uh, but I, I've always been drawn to it, and um, so I kind of fell in love with the area initially, um, and and so on. And there was another house, um, Victorian style house, that was for sale again in the area. And I remember looking at it, going, "Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to." I'd love to kind of maybe get get stuck into the kind of a renovation project. I think I could take it on. I utilize my dad, who's been in the construction industry for years, and you know, pick his brain and get a bit of help and so on. And next thing, that house that I was really looking at, um, you know, it went off the market, and I was so angry at myself because I hadn't started the the mortgage application process. Mm. I'd done nothing, done nothing. And and obviously I was saving and, and, and so on, but I, I had done nothing in terms of the application. I, and I remember being so angry at myself for, for not just doing it and, and sorting it out. And um, so I suppose that then gave me the kick to, um, to go and start the process. I went in and, and met um, a mortgage broker and she was unbelievably super helpful. Um, I didn't fancy going to five or six different banks and filling in a million forms for each yeah. bank. So I went to a mortgage broker, fill in one batch of forms and that's it. And she gave me a list of a list of bits I had to kind of bring to her, like statements, et cetera, et cetera. And at the time I remember asking, I said, look, I'm actually leaning towards a, a renovation project. Um, um, uh, is it possible to get extra money on the mortgage to help pay for some of the renovation? And and she kind of said to me at the time and saying, well, no, not a lot of banks are not doing that at all. I don't think it'll be feasible. I said, look, fair enough. I just said I'd ask, right? So next thing, went through all the process and I got a pre-approval on a mortgage mm-hmm. and um, I was absolutely delighted. And so she gave me the, the green light and went on to Daft that, that, that evening, uh, typed in the Passage West area and this house was on it. Um, oh, I didn't, and, and, and I must have drove past this house a million times and I never yeah. never saw it, never saw the for sale sign, but this house was on it. And I said, it's just on the road. So I just literally came down, walked up the steps and uh, went up to the front door and I turned around and all I saw was the view. And then I, peeped, I was peeping in the window and, <laughs> and I went, oh my God, this is the house I want <laughs> straight yeah. away, right? Oh, so it's so beautiful. Day, Oh, I was so blessed, right? Um, the following day, I ended up in a call in with the auctioneer. He was out. He came out to me. He showed me. And I remember walking in the front door and going, Rob, calm down now. Don't show you really want this house. <laughs> Don't let the guy think you want it. So um, walking in the front door going, yeah, yeah, there's a bit of work to do here and there. Like the whole tire kicking routine that yeah. you do, right? And to be fair to him, he, he was kind of questioning me as well and seeing what kind of experience I had because he, he knew himself there was a huge amount of work and I was saying well yeah. to us I have no experience with my dad and I was able to kind of leverage off my dad's expertise um, and, and and so on so then the auctioneer gave me the keys for a weekend I got my dad down so we came in together what? and we kind of he walked gave around the keys yes. for a weekend yeah. Yes, what? yes. This is yes, what you get in, yes. in small towns in Cork <laughs> exactly exactly, <laughs> not exactly. In 
exactly. It was amazing, right? So uh, so we came down, and my dad came down, and he came, we got into work kind of sticking the heads into the attic and kind of looking for anything whatsoever. And it was my dad who gave me the confidence to say, oh, my God, for the age of this house, at the time, I was 165 years old. And for the age of the house, it was in absolutely fantastic condition for, obviously, lots of work to do, but in good condition for what it was for the age of it. So he gave me the confidence to take it on. Let's go for it. So then I kind of went in, then back to the auctioneer. uh, And actually, actually, that same weekend, that night, I came down with a measuring tape and I was measuring out all the rooms. and I'd done a little rough drawing myself. So I started figuring out layouts and what I could do in terms of layouts. Before you had even made an offer. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. And sorry, yes. is this 2019 or 2019? 2019. 2019. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so, how was the so, housing market in, in Passage West? Like, was it competitive? Were you scared somebody was going to bid on it? Or were you relatively like, okay, no, I found this gem and other people are going to be scared of it. I have a good chance of keeping it. I think it was a, a mix of both. I was initially worried. I was worried that maybe a developer might come in and kind of mm. a, a cash buyer as such and kind of just make it easy for for for, for the sellers and, and for the auctioneer. I was a little bit nervous with that. But then I was also super confident in the fact that not many people would be willing to maybe take on a project like this. Um, I was lucky at the time I was single, I had no family. So I, I knew I'd be able to move in and other people mightn't be in that situation, you know. Um, so I was a little nervous in that sense. The auctioneer had mentioned to me that a couple of sales had fallen through. I think people initially fell in love with the area, fell in love with the house, rightly so. But then when they realized the work that had to be done and they kind of pulled out. So that kind of gave me a small bit of confidence. And then from a, a bit of Googling searching, I could see that the house was probably on the market. So I initially started the process in April of 2019 with them. Um, and I, I saw the house on the market from November 2018 or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I knew there was, I had a, a bit of breathing space. Um, but what's really interesting is, is the day um, I went sale agreed in the house, the auctioneer phoned me that evening and said, you're so lucky. I just literally had a developer come to me who was going to be a cash buyer. But because you had gone sale agreed, we honored your one. And I had already deposited. Wow. So, yeah. So I was lucky, lucky in that sense, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so I think that's how that's how it kind of came about. And and then there was, like with, with all old houses, there's a few legal bits, like right away access that you had kind of had to sort yeah. out. Like the, the front patch, there was a shared, at one stage, with the neighbors there was a shared backyard entry point that no longer existed but it was still on the conveyance map so we had to kind of legally sort that out and it wasn't so I went to sale agreed in April 2019 and I, I didn't get the keys until the end of September of 2019 so there was wow that many yeah a load, a load of different you know cross the t's dot the i's that's to get really right. normal with such old properties that have changed hands and things have happened when paper records of things were not as well kept and it's just a jumbled mess and you're just like I have no idea what's going on here please somebody tell me what to do (laughs) exactly 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 and and what was what was what was really interesting was um we even had to get on to uh at the VC estate who owns land all over Ireland and all over Cork and all over all over County Offaly. I think there's some they have some massive estates there. And we had to pay like one euro for them to sign off. Something like oh it was, my it was oh, it kind was, of like a, a like a leasehold thing. Yes, yes. Oh yes. my God. Yeah, yeah. Those leaseholds are yeah. hilarious. I, I still do not understand them, but I know they're based in like Norman feudal law. That's where it yeah. all comes from. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. okay, so you get the house, and were you utilizing the full amount that you had been pre-approved for, 
for the house or was there kind of the breathing room that you hoped to kind of remortgage or, or get the renovation budget? How did you figure that piece out? Great question. So I um, initially, so there was a, a higher asking price for the house. I managed to kind of get said agreed on on below that. Yeah. At the time, my my pre-approval was approved for close to the asking price. And then when I got below that, I got the house for 230000 I then, Incredible. you know, there was a, yeah, I was so lucky. I was so lucky to get it at that price. Oh and, my um, God. But then there was a bit of a, compared to what I was pre-approved for and, and what I actually got the house for, the bank said, hey, listen, we, we'll give you the extra, six, I think it was an extra 60000 to help put towards the renovation. And there was, there was obviously steps I had to do with that. I had to get in an engineer who had to kind of work sure. out costings to do bits and pieces and, and part of the drawdown process. But um, yeah, so that was able to kind of give me some extra funds towards the house I was able to, that I was able to draw down. And then obviously I had some savings put away as well. I was able to kind of pump into it. But I was, again, like, you know, I bought the house for 230 and then I had 120 to kind of put into it. And I was funding it all on my own. So that's why I knew I needed to kind of come up with a solution quickly on how on to make that budget stretch. And the only way I could do that was to roll up my sleeves and get stuck in, you know. Yeah. And obviously part of that meant leaving your rental accommodation and moving in. Yes. And did you did yes. you make that decision lightly? Like, do you camp a lot? Were you like, yeah, I have no problem sleeping sort of outdoors? <laughs> or were you just like, there's no other way, I'll figure it out? <laughs> it, it's, well, I, I think I planned on doing it anyway, because I suppose who, who can afford a mortgage, a renovation and rent at the yeah. same time? Not me, certainly anyway. So yeah. so um, I, I knew, I, I figured out pretty quickly that I was going to move in and I kind of took you back to your kind of student days, right? Where you just live in these, these random places. And, Hot uh, noodles. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> a microwave and that's it. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I was just willing to uh, kind of just get in here. And um, I remember I went to uh, like Harvey Norman's and I bought like a, a bed and uh, a mattress just to kind of keep me to, to sleep on and uh, and a few kind of small, a, a tiny little fridge just to kind of keep some stuff as uh, storage and bought a couple of those, those kind of plastic garage stacking shelves so I just have something for the kitchen and uh, that was it really and just kind of just moved in and again luckily enough because there was an immersion in the house I was able to uh, to um, obviously have hot water and so on okay. but uh, listen it was fine <laughs> it was it's, it's nice to look back at it yeah. and 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 to and kind of look back and go I can't believe I did that and but it's kind of really fond mer- memories to be honest with you like and then obviously having a kitchen and a bathroom at the same time was a bit mad but <laughs> we got through it <laughs> yeah I think one thing throughout the episode and I'm sure you've gotten this through your your Instagram is people just like rallied for you because everyone was like yeah. look at the attitude he has around this like literally he's just like it's fine fine everything is figure outable this is fine this is great you were so obviously enamored with the house and the project that that Mm. flattened any despair that you could have easily fallen into (laughs) absolutely and i think look i'm a positive type of guy anyway and the one thing i I suppose my mantra is look just the controllables and the non-controllables so the stuff you can control you just get on with it and the stuff the curveballs or the non-controllables that can't be controlled you just Yes, you could feel sorry for yourself, but it's important that you pick yourself up and dust yourself off and figure out a solution. And like, the, and I'd be honest, there was a couple of those moments where I had to kind of go deep into myself to kind of figure stuff out and what to do. And um, but but it, it worked out. Like, I think you, I think if you go in with a kind of panicked mind or panicked head in any of these kind of things, 
this, the, the, the issue becomes worse. And yeah. you get so frustrated and you get so angry and, and, and so on. But if you kind of go in with a calm mind, you, you find solutions pretty quickly or you, or you just figure stuff out. Um, and I think that's, I've, I use that kind of mantra with my own, with, with my professional life. And I've done it with the project here as well. And I think it, it stood to me, to be honest. It did. It 100% did. I don't think you would have been able to do everything you did without that. It would have yeah, killed yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So one practical note, like you were, you, I know you work in tech. So mm. how did you do your job? Were you working in an office at the time before the pandemic? Like, because you probably didn't have Wi-Fi in the house, right? Correct. So I was working, so before the pandemic, um, so I got the keys in September of 2019. I suppose the first lockdown happened in kind of January 2020, if I remember correctly. So so yeah. I was obviously commuting into work, into the office, uh, you know, five, five, six days a week, and then coming home in the evening and kind of just kind of walking around and kind of getting used to the house. And I think that was one key thing. I remember I was talking to someone and they advised me, live in the house first, get a feel for it, get a feel for what room you want to have, get a feel of where the light comes in, get an idea of, of the overall design. And that really stood to me that those probably six months before kind of getting stuck into the heavy lifting of the project, I allowed, allowed me to kind of soak it all in. But in the meantime, at weekends, I was like, this is before the Great House Revival even approached me. And mm-hmm. um, I was starting to, you know, strip back stuff. So I, I'd already kind of, unfortunately, I had to take the ceiling down in the original ceiling down in the kitchen area because uh, previous work had been done by builders and instead of bringing the rubble out like what I did <laughs> they lift the floorboards and put all the rubble under the floorboards and then so the ceiling started sagging started to crack yeah so when I oh pulled the ceiling God. down the amount of rubble that came down was alarming to be honest so it's dangerous um, yeah it was dangerous so I, and that's why I took it down I said because I, I remember I'll never forget it one morning I came down and there was a a big large piece of ceiling on the ground it had fallen down overnight so I went right no that's the decision made and it killed me in a way because I knew I was going to damage and lose the original cornice. But I got that. I I, I made an exact cop, got an exact cop, yeah. made and put it back up. It, it killed me in that sense. But it was also important to do. So I'd, I kind of had started in the kind of between the September to December months, a few bits and pieces. And just like there was a lot of original carpets and lino glued down to beautiful <laughs> timber flooring. And I spent hours on my hands and knees with a heat gun trying to remove the glue that had stuck the lino uh, onto the onto the timber floor and oh yeah. my god so it was mental trying to get it out and um and then there was i remember in one of the rooms i must have lifted about five carpets off the floor and and then so that was all to be dragged out in the skip so in a way i kind of clean got to the house in terms of cleaning out all the kind of lino and carpets and stuff and then i started taking on some of the stripping back so i could see if i could see any of my problems and any issues and that was kind of in the first kind of six months. And then obviously when lockdown happened in January, I was working from home. I was yeah. looking up, there was there was a phone line in the house. I was able to get internet in. And so I was able to kind of work from home then. And, and that was that was a, a big, a big benefit. But there was times during that during that kind of that first spell, you might remember there was a cold spell right up to March in 2020. And I remember trying to type my my hands, my fingers were so numb with the cold. I, I normally I'm fast typing, but I'd go like with one finger trying to type. So my yeah. so hands were so cold. I'm um, trying to trying to try to type, but you know, again, memories to look back on. And, and I'm yeah, now, you know. and you were living alone too during that time. That must have been yes. like some people would have been like, "No, this is impossible," and like I don't know, would yeah. have said, "No, now I need to wait, or I need to move mm. out, uh, or sell the house." But you didn't at that point. You obviously yourself were had drawn up the rooms. You already were thinking about layouts. I'm sure mm-hmm. your dad also helped you with figuring out like, okay, if you put a bathroom there, 
that's going to mean moving pipes and stuff over here. Were you doing up your own plans? Was your dad doing it? Was there anyone else involved at this point or was it just you? Good question. Um, initially, I was going to go to a, a construction company here in Cork. Um, okay. As it turned out, they had an in-house architect hired. So I went in and I met him and I started the process. It's mad too because I was so naive and so new to the renovation. I, I kind of got sucked up and into 3D renderings and models of, of, of a layout. I was going, oh my God, this is it. This is my dream home. Let's go for it. Um, and then to find out it would have cost between three fifty and 400000 to do it. And I went, yeah. no, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, so that's what I, they show on the on the Great correct. House episode, right? Before Hugh edits it, right? Correct. Yes, okay. yes. So that layout was was the drawings from that architect, Dean House architect. Okay. And then I, but even at that stage, I was still going to go with the plans and figure out and do it myself. And and what what was really interesting, the lay, and this is probably why I adjusted to Hugh's suggestion straight away. The layout that Hugh advised me to go with that was probably the layout I originally went into the the architect with to say this mm. is kind of I think I think this is what we should do. And uh, Hugh then kind of went, so when he when he kind of said the layout to me, I was. I went, this makes 100% sense. I'm just going to go with this. And it's brilliant. So um, can, I didn't... can you just detail those two, kind of the two different changes, um, yes. just so people who might not have just watched it, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, understand. Yeah. So I was worried about the, the I suppose, the, the room I'm in now, the kind of kitchen living room area. I was worried that there would be a lack of light because at the back of the house, there's a, a road at the back of the house, which is up. 40 feet above to say where, yeah. you, where you walk out to the backyard so it's this really high wall so kind of like a, and then it was like um making the, the small kitchen area really really dark so it was yeah. like as if it was kind of a basement style room so initially the plan was we we're going to have um put in a mezzanine area over the kitchen and then we would have had floor to ceiling windows to get some light in at the back of the house and hugh was 100% correctly, because I suppose on the 3D drawings, you see these really bright windows brighten up and say, look, the amount of light is going to come in there. But when someone who is savvy like Hugh comes in and says, should there be no light coming in there? Because half of it is going to be underground as such um, yeah. because of the high walls and the bit of light that you're going to get in the, morning, in the evening won't be much. And I was going, he's 100% right. So I just went back. I just went back to the to the architect and he just tweaked the drawings the way I wanted so, was, so we could go to the planning office to get planning on the bits that had to be done. And uh, and uh, and I'm so happy I did it the way we've done it now. I'm so happy. I have no regrets. I'm it's the layout of how I it's the layout I envisioned in the house initially, and I'm so glad we have it now, to be honest with you. And there was uh, an extension planned in the original yes. drawings. Did you do that or no? No, and it's, no. And, okay. and, 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 and it won't be done either because it's yeah. it, the idea of that was to have, a, I suppose, a small utility room going out into the backyard area. And then above that was going to be the main bathroom then because we were That's right. the, the mezzanine area was going to cut out the main bathroom of where it would be now. So there was no need for it. Um, and actually, okay. it, it was probably a blessing in disguise because we discovered afterwards that underneath that yard where the extension was going to go is all the original Victorian sewerage system. So oh, there was wow. no way I was ever going to be able to build an extra weight on top of that and without having access. So it was a definitely a blessing in disguise. Oh, wow. And did you end up tapping into that original sewer? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. was the house listed or was it just the facade that was listed? Because that was unclear to me when in from the episode. 
Yeah, no, a great question. So, like the, it was only there was an architectural protection on it, which is the facade, okay. the front facade of the house. There was no other conservation protection okay. on it whatsoever. And then part of the architectural protection is you had to keep as much of the front as possible as is. I was never going to change that anyway. Like yeah. it's beautiful as it is. So I just, uh, um, so I was. It was a very easy. Very easy for me to get in line with that piece, but yeah, it was definitely worth it. But so you still had to go for planning because of that? Yes, I still had to go for planning because of it, because we're putting in, so up by the next level, I mentioned I said to go about the high road level at the back. There's a lot of steps to get up to the front of the house and I'm future-proofing the house. And eventually when we get a little bit old and a bit tougher to walk up those steps, we're going to have a um, backdoor access point at, okay. at the top level so we better come from the back door straight into the house at, at say the first floor level and um so part of that was to get planning permission to get that door put in and it went through with no issues at all wow that's really smart you would not think that people would do that especially if you're on a tight budget that seems like a kind of we'll deal with that problem later yeah. and especially then having to go through planning which obviously delays things by like three to six months. Um, yes. Okay, that's really interesting. And is yeah. that around the side of the house or is it from behind, from the back road? So it's from behind with the back road. So so by the back road, there is a, a door to get from the road level. You literally go down into a couple of steps and you're kind of on the top. You might remember in the, in the show, Hugh and myself were actually on the top looking down into the yard mm. and he was kind of talking yeah. about all the bits. So it's at that level. And then we're going to basically cut in. So because the the main bathroom is so large, we're actually putting in an extra small little hallway. It's not done yet, right? But we will be. But there's an extra hallway going to go in there. And that's where that extra door will be added to get access into the house at that level. Amazing. And it's going to be like a ramp then from the back. Um, No, it'll it'll be steps. It'll be a couple of steps. So, So it'll be like probably three steps to get in from the road level onto that level and then straight into the house. Okay. It could be a ramp in the future. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, well, I, uh, yeah, and, and and because I'm just thinking like, you know, access for future, you, you don't know, buggies and children, yeah. you, you just don't know, right? So um, yes, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely have to try and figure that piece out. So then you go for planning with these revised drawings. Who did the whole planning application? Was it that company or you yes, and your dad? It, okay, it was that company. It, it was part. It was part of because I actually obviously then had to pay for the design package, yeah. and then part of the yeah. design package was including uh, applying for planning permission. And in a way, it was great to have that because it, it just took it, it just took that extra pressured step. I, I've never done planning before. Form. No. Obviously, my dad would have done it, but but it might have been a bit stressful. Stressful. So it was great just to get that company to do it, and they dealt with any kind of questions that came in. And obviously, there was a conservation architect brought into it as well, and rightly mm-hmm. so. So, um, he 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 was looking for certain things, and we were able to go back with those certain things to him, and he he was happy to sign off on it very quickly. Then, yeah, I think this is a good lesson for, because sometimes people assume a DIY project, and obviously, this wasn't detailed in the episode. People are like, oh, you can save on architect's fees. And then you you don't need to have like a general contractor with a yeah. huge tender. And it's like doing your own planning application would be, and what, what are you going to do? Like electrical drawings and construction drawings? <laughs> no. Exactly, exactly. So I think it's really good to know that even, I think your project is the biggest DIY project that I've seen a non-builder undertake, mm. like from TV and just my interviews. But you still hired, even though your dad's a builder and he could have done rough drawings for you and, and done that, mm. you still hired 
a, a company to do that work and take that heavy lifting off your plate. And I think you'd probably recommend people to do that, right? 100%. Like, I think you need to, like, when I was starting off this project, I knew I was going to be, you know, the, the, the labor. I knew I was going to do all the grunt work, yeah. all the manual stuff. But I also realized very quickly my limitations on what I could do. And I'm not trained on CAD design and drawing out you know, drawings to 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 spec in for the planning office. I'm not yeah. an electrician, you can bring an electrician. I'm not a plumber, you bring in plumbers. So you kind of realize very quickly what you can do and yeah, and you're better off bringing in the experts and that's it. Because if like what'll end up happening is you'll end up doing it yourself. And and to what it might work. But in a six months time you'll have a leak on that pipe because you didn't seal it correctly. And and at least you know when you get someone like a like a plumbing company and it's done right, you know, or and, and it just it just takes the pressure off you. A hundred percent. So you did a kind of flat fee design package with them instead of the standard, like 10%, you know, project management. And, uh, but they costed the project coming in at over 300. So you were like, Mm. no, I'll take your, I'll take your, I'll take your plans. I'll edit them based on Hugh's insight. And then what was the plan? You and your dad and a few, you know, one-off trades would do the work. Correct. So then once we had that done and we knew the layout that we we're going to do, obviously we we're kind of in the middle of lockdown now at this stage and there was the oh, five yeah. kilometer, the five kilometer kind of restriction on what you could, on the distance you could travel at the time. And um, so I've done a video call with my dad, we kind of walked around and he was saying, right, look, the first thing you need to do is kind of get stuck into the floors. We knew we were going to be putting in underfloor heating on the ground floor and radiators on the first floor. So I'd already kind of started the process of researching companies and reaching out to them, get quotes and, and all that kind of stuff. In the meantime, then dad was kind of saying, look, you know, take up the floorboards, let's start digging out and, and go for there really, you know. So at the time then I got all the floorboards up, I was starting to do the initial kind of digging. The, the TV show was already after arriving <laughs> now at this stage, right? Um, yeah. So we had our first recording done, which was, which was so surreal, Tanya, because, um, like, you know, you come in and, like, there's a director there and there's three or four producers there and there's two camera operators there and there's a guy with a, with a, with a, with, with a sound engineer that's there and there's a guy yeah. flying a drone and you're going, oh, my God, what's going on? So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was mad initially. Um, but it's also amazing. It's, it's also mad how used to the cameras you get. And, and, and of course, they nearly become your family because they're, they're with you throughout the tough times from the get-go right and it was uh yeah. yeah it was it was it was absolutely it was absolutely mental but uh but yeah kind of you know and it, you're also conscious that there's a camera on me here now and i'm ripping up a floor don't look like a fool rob so just trying to kind of do it right and and then making sure you're wearing hard hats and masks and all, yeah you would wear them anyway but like it's just, just being careful of these things and uh but i i got such a massive enjoyment out of it it was mad like the, the satisfaction of you know ripping up a floor or getting a sledgehammer and knocking down a wall oh my god it was it was epic and i remember it was so funny i remember the, the night the show aired i was i had a look at twitter later on and, and someone put up like rob with the sledgehammer knocking down the wall it's like this and it was a gif of tor coming down with the hammer and the lightning yeah. everywhere it actually did feel like that it was it was mental and for me then every evening after i'd done a good tough day's work i i would come down and i'd, and I'd just stand there and just look at the work i did for nearly an hour just kind of soaking it all in and being yeah. so proud of myself it's a sense the, the sense of satisfaction 
And that always gave me such a boost to get on to the next part of the of the renovation. And 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 that's what gave me my energy. So I was like, by the way, I'm still working permanently, right? <laughs> for a full-time yeah. job at this stage. So so I was literally say, you know, closing the laptop down at half five, six o'clock-ish, and straight down to digging. Or every weekend there was digging up at six o'clock in the morning, you know, putting down tools at eight o'clock at night. A, a, a quick wash, dinner, and right back up again the following morning to try to utilize it. And then even yeah. taking a, a week's holidays of work and just, just doing all work in the house. Um, but it be, for me, anyway, it, it really became obsessive. I, I was yeah. obsessed with it. I got, I got so, like a lot of people during lockdown, they took on the pr- pr- crocheting and different different things and different stuff. And I took on renovating the house. So it was something really cool to be part of, to be honest. You probably wouldn't have had the same momentum and obsessive focus without the lockdowns, right? Because then there's like friends and family and like going to the office, coming back after work drinks. Um, Mm. So in a way, I think it probably propelled you forward. Yeah, totally. And, 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 you know, as bad as like the pandemic, like it was so tough on us all. But in a way, the timing of it was probably a blessing for me because I was able to kind of get so much done. And to your point, I had no distractions. No, there was times I was going, oh, God, I could do. I wish my buddies were here with me now. We'd get in a couple of pizzas and just yeah. dig the floor together or do whatever yeah. we're doing together. Um, and you kind of miss that, miss that element of it. But, um, but it, it was, it was still allowed me to kind of really get focused and really, really kind of embrace the renovation and really get stuck into it. And, um, and, um, and you know, I'm a big believer of. Something I love doing is right now to do lists. I love writing out the to do list and then when it's done, then get the highlighter and crossing <laughs> it out. And that kind of held me accountable. And I've gone through maybe three books now of right now to do lists. And I love, I love it. Love it. So it's, yeah. It's wow. But you should keep those because I think, like you talked about in the, in the TV show, like this is something you kind of hand down really proudly to your kids and yes. grandchildren. It's like, yes. here are dad's books back in 2020, of like <laughs> when he was ripping up lino of carpet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Really nice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So th- that means throughout 2020, this is what you're doing. You're doing demolition work. And I guess through periods where the lockdown is lifted, that's when your dad comes down and you get people yes. in, right? Yes, okay. correct. Um, I was lucky as well in the sense that because I was living in the house, it was deemed to be an essential renovation. So then even during lockdown, I was able to get trades in because it was an essential renovation. And and, and the only reason that happened was because I was living in the house and it was from a safety point of view. I mean, we had to have electrical wiring. We had to have heat and we had to have plumbing. So I was able to to kind of maintain that work. But the big thing was getting dad down for the first time where we had to kind of get the levels of fire I had to dig down for the floor to get ready for the underfloor heating, then committing to a date of when the underfloor heating would be going in. Wow. And so then that so then that kind of went, right, if we're in this date, I need to do so much and kind of get stuck into it. And there was a couple of late nights coming up to it, but we got there. We we, we met every single we met every single deadline. And that I and I said it in the show, I was really nervous that I would be a cog slowing something down or missing something because during lockdown and even when, and even when when stuff was opening, trades people became nearly a dime a dozen. They were so yeah. sought after. People yeah. were probably from sitting at home. They were looking at the kitchen, going, "I need a new kitchen," because they were looking at it twenty four seven type thing because they were working from home, right? And so then all these trades would get booked up to go everywhere. So for me, then I knew then if I if I delayed a trade coming in, that then meant I could be 
five, six weeks before I could potentially get them back. So I really held myself accountable to get to, meet, to get stuff done. And um, couple, as I said, a couple of late nights, but we, but we always got there with it. Amazing. And so I assume it was your dad who helped you figure out which heating systems and insulation systems you would be using. Because as you, you were telling me before the episode started, the house had zero insulation, yeah. Yeah. freezing. So he, yeah. I assume with his building experience, he was like, okay, it's an old property. You're going to need X and Y, do underfloor heating there do the rads there and yeah. you you were like okay yeah these are the investments these are the musts exactly because you know like there was zero central heating in the house the house was originally heated with seven fireplaces scattered scattered throughout it so it was extremely cold so we knew very quickly that we wanted to get a some sort of a heating system and i suppose at the time my options were you get in maybe an aisle heating system or you maybe go down the natural gas road but then my dad kind of said it, well, would you not think about air to water? And, and mm-hmm. I said, and the minute he said it, I knew straight away from an environmental point of view, it was the right thing to do. And I, I just knew straight away I was going to do it. So then wow. straight away, I, I became, you know, started kind of doing a lot of research on what companies to go to and so on. I, I, I worked with a company in, back home in Tipperary called Solar Energy Solutions. They were super, super, super helpful ex- explained everything that needed to be done in the meantime dad knew what needed to be done he knew that we needed to dig the floor down far enough to allow for 150 mil insulation sheets that are down on the floor to allow for the the concrete that would be kind of poured on top of it and so on so and that's what probably delayed like i, I spent nearly eight weeks digging a floor out by hand because the house is elevated we couldn't get a, a little mini digger up to come in and so I, I became the digger so i was digging with a pickaxe and a shovel and put into buckets and then carrying those buckets down into a skip which was on on the street <laughs> level so that was good fun <laughs> so, wow. um, and then getting maybe the dpm down first uh, um, and leveling off the floor get the dpm down get the insulation down getting the um the on the floor piping layout map done and then getting the concrete down and I, I'll never forget it the guys who came in they had to pump the concrete floor up from the street level it was kind of a pump system and pumped it into the house and it cured enough overnight for me to kind of step on it the following day and Tanya was mad I got so emotional and had a, a little cry for myself because <laughs> of all the hard work that had gone into that stage and all the heavy lifting and the labor and the figuring out stuff and digging and blood sweat and tears went into it and I remember I just I just got emotional just standing there and but but it was more of it was happiness and it was just pride in myself for 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 doing it and and for getting to that stage and it also felt like it was a massive step because the concrete floor is in I can now start the walls I can now start yeah. Think about getting the first fix electrics done, first fix of plumbing done, and it, it was like a massive step in in getting it done. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely a nice moment to experience, and I was on my own when it happened, and I, just, I wasn't expecting the level of emotion that came with it, and I was yeah, I was so proud, you know. Yeah, that is pretty incredible. Wow. Okay, so you did air to water, but that so that requires quite a lot of air tightness, and also to do that, you had to forego your original timber floors. But I think anyways, there were issues with dry rot in it. So you weren't going to be able to keep it, right? Yes, 100%. All the flooring joists were completely okay. rotten. A lot of the floorboards, they were, they were just disintegrating in my hands. So there was that oh. bad. 
So we, we knew very quickly that we're we're going to put that back in, and that's where we kind of went down the, the I suppose the concrete floor with, with engineer flooring on top. Now, luckily enough, I have all the original floorboards on the on the next two floors, and they're, and they're staying. It, it was it was worth it, but that's why it was worth kind of stripping back bits of the house because I was finding all these problems and issues, and even when I stripped back the walls. All the wall plates, they were just as bad as the, the floor dryers. They were completely rotten. So I had to scoop them all out and and and, and fill them up again. And these are the wall plates that the, the ceiling joists were sitting on. So then the ceiling then oh was moving God. and sagging. So, But I wouldn't have seen any of that stuff if I didn't strip back initially. And, I, and that was, so in a way, it was a blessing in disguise to do all that kind of stuff, you know. So when you would strip that back, then I assume you'd be calling your dad on video being like, uh, what's this? What's this? Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you say, yeah, no problem. That's just the that's just the wall place. It's completely rotten. Just scoop it all out, and then and then what, what we done what done was then we, we made a kind of a, a lime based mortar because the house is lime and lime rendered and yeah. it's important to have breeds. So we built a lime based mortar and we stuffed the area where the timber wall plate was and we made a, a lime mortar wall plate instead okay. and worked the treat. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Okay. And then your dad also prescribed the kind of insulation you'd use that would allow for the breathability of the walls, but still get you to air tightness levels. Cause a lot of times I research this stuff a lot. There's a lot of mm-hmm. debate among the conservation community of whether it is suitable to use air to water in old houses and what kind of insulation is the best and all that. So tell me a little, a little bit about that. Yeah. So would you believe it going back to the, when I got the construction company to design it, luckily enough, the architect who was doing it, he had done up a house himself and his own house and which was a Victorian house as well. And he had worked with Kingspan and they had this kind of modeling system done where they worked out the gap between the wall and, and the back of the, of the boarding and all that kind of stuff to allow the house to build. So I knew, we, we knew straight away where we're going to go. Because of that, he went off then and got the same modeling done for my house here. They came back and said, look, you need to put up a metal studding system. You need to put in the uh, an 82 mil thick plasterboard and you need to allow 50 mil between the back of the board and the wall to allow it to breed. Now, the house is not airtight and it never will be airtight and that's okay, right? But it's insulated enough for the air to water to work at a wow. good capacity, right? And to and to give us a to give us a nice warm house. Like I'm I'm in here now and it's so cozy. Like my my, my feet are on the on the floor and I can feel the heat coming through and, and, and it's it's nice and warm. You're right, some of the passive housings, they have it all sealed up within it, I suppose, an inch of its life. Nearly all the windows are all sealed up. Like I, I still have the original windows in the house, which has yeah. including the glass, and that's a single pane glass. So, like you're you're never going to get airtight there, you know. So, oh my um, god, so, I forgot so about that. So you have single pane glass and an air to water pump. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. And this is why I loved working with Solar Energy Solutions so much because I explained all that to them, and then the team there they figured out okay, so they, they figured out the map that how they would need to do in terms of get down the floor heating. Then they figured out the strength of the air to water fan. Like I only have a single fan. Some places you often see they have two fans, but I've only got a single fan. They figured out the strength that's needed, the kilowatts, and even for the the first floor and the second floor, they figure out the size of the radiators that need to yeah. be for each room, and 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 so on. So again, bringing in experts when needed is is a must and again it just took all that stress off me in having to kind of figure that element out so on a cold winter's night this house is nice and cozy and like obviously you have to take precautions like with all the one of the seven fireplaces behind me but i have a 
I've, I've that kind of blocked up for one reason. So there's no escaping of area to be clever in that sense where you can yeah. be, but but areas around the window, you just embrace you you embrace the character of the window and and just yeah. a bit of cold air. How bad? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so do you have closed stoves that are built into the fireplaces now? No, so these fireplaces they won't. Well, one certainly actually none of the fireplaces, none of them will be functional. Um, okay. There won't be any of the stoves because it's so warm down here. There's yeah. probably no need for it. They're still. I didn't want to just take them down and block them up. They're beautiful. They're character the house. They're beautiful features. Mm-hmm. So I kept them in place. Yeah. So just need to figure out what I'm going to put into. Maybe some nice, I don't know, lanterns or something with nice candles yeah. or something. Just kind of put something into them. Myself and actually a nice little thing that myself and my dad did. The wall that we took down in the kind of living and kitchen room area. There was a lot of beautiful original yellow brick that came down. We then use that brick as the backing in the fireplace here in the kitchen and in the fireplace as well in the sitting room. Oh, beautiful. So, for the hearth, yeah, like so, for the hearth inside. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, how are you doing on your budget in the project? Because like it seems like yeah. Sola would have been an investment. You paid these mm. architects for the design fees. The window renovation, they had to reconstruct them completely, right? Because because mm. yes. they were all rotten. That sounds really yeah. expensive. Um mm. And, and the insulation system and the underfloor heating. So how are you keeping on budget here? <laughs> <laughs> Just about, right? Um, yeah, it, it was, like, yeah, because I think I think what I'd done was I got in a specialized window renovation company and they'd done every single window in the house, renovated it. It was not, not there was, yeah, there was, I'd say 99% of the original windows are gone back in. There's a couple of bits where there was a bit of rot issues. Actually, the show showed some of the rot issues on, yeah. the, on the bay window. So elements of that had to be replaced. They also did all the internal doors of so all the internal doors or all the original doors in the house. The front door, the, the kind of pink front door, it looks like a brand new, new, new door. That's the original door in the house. Wow. Um, the original back door in the house, I moved that over to to be the door to go into the plant room, which is where the air to water heating system is. Um, so mm-hmm. like nothing went to waste here. So there was obviously an investment in that as well. You know, getting the whole house was fully rewired. The whole house had to be replumbed. So there's obviously a massive lumps of investment there. And I think very quickly what I done was I prioritized what needs to be done. So I, I, I need to get a kitchen in, need to get a flooring in, I needed to get heating in, plumbing in and the windows done. I knew I was going to do all the heavy lifting myself. I knew I was going to do all the painting myself. I knew I was going to do as much of the prep work in terms of standing and whatever needs to be done myself, stripping back, all of that. And by doing that, I saved tens and tens of thousands. I know I did. Um, um, Now, other little hidden fees came in that I didn't expect was skip hire. Who would have thought you'd spend so much on skip hire? And renovation to date, you're going to get a shock now. I've spent nearly twelve thousand euro on skips. Oh, yes. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. It is scary. These skips were filled to the brim, and it was. I remember, like again, it shows how naive you could be. I was like, um, oh yeah, maybe five, six thousand max. Yeah, eleven thousand so far, um, and uh, and and more to go. More more skips to be got, right? And then I was also Tanya. I was also super conscious of just because. My budget was probably dwindling really, really quickly. I didn't want that to affect the overall look of a room or, or design of the house. And yeah, your like, finishes um, are so beautiful, and the interiors yeah, yeah. are really considered. Yeah, and, and that was important to me. And even even small things like with the flooring on on the ground floor, I put in like an engineer flooring, and then I also have 
a brass border going around yeah. the entire ground floor, like in brass bars. They're not they're not cheap, and and I I could very easily have not used them, but I wanted it. I wanted I wanted it in the house. I thought it would really fit the house, and it, and it worked. It, it's worked really really well, but. And I think you just learn to figure out and budget, like move move funds from one thing to another, and prioritize what you, what you need to do, and allow more savings to come in. And then obviously I had I had that you know sixty sixty thousand extra of the bank to draw down, so that kind of helped me. And then I had I had savings done, and then I had more savings coming in, and and just kind sure. of and that's that's how that's how it kind of that's how I kind of funded it. And and then it got to a stage where okay, what, what you saw on the show was probably as much as, as I got done at the time from from my. A budget point of view, the budget was gone at that stage, was literally just okay. gone. So then uh, you, you kind of pause, you, like you do a few small bits and pieces here and there, but you pause and you um, they have build up again to start into the next kind of project. So like this summer now, it's going to be a busy summer with a few bits that I'll kind of get stuck into. But then you also get smart as well with your money, right? So you kind of, because I was like, I'm not a builder. I'm not in the, I'm not a tradesman. I, I don't pay VAT or anything like that. But I still went into my local builder provider and I asked him to set me up as a trade, as a trade account. And they did. Mm. And so I was getting trade prices on materials. <clears throat> okay, that's or, very handy. And, yeah, and, and and what's the worst they can say to you? No, we can't do that. Okay, fair enough. I said, I'd ask. Mm-hmm. Well, but did I get it? And that all adds up. And it might be a euro or two here and there, but all those euros add up, like, you know, and, and, and I think that's what, that's what helped me, to be honest with you. And just negotiation prices. And if I was getting something designed or buying something, I would go to two or three companies. And, and it wasn't about price because... Like just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's the best. Just because it's cheap yeah. doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. So you pick one that's the best to go for, and and that's what really worked for me. I just kind of figured out ways how to make my money stretch. You but, really did. But, did it take meticulous budgeting, like every week? It, it must have. Yes, I had uh, an Excel file that I opened up, and mm-hmm. I tracked every single spend that I did. Even if I went to go buy a box of screws, that was going into the the Excel file. And it just allowed me to track it. It allowed me to kind of keep an eye on things. So on one tab, I had how much funds I had access to straight away. And then a chart beside that, how much funds was going to be coming in from, you know, different drawdowns as an example. And then had a formula in place. So, so when stuff was entered in, it was automatically deducted from the other piece. So, so that kind of helped me accountable. So I knew, oh God, I'm, I'm literally down to my last thousand euro here. What am I going to do with that thousand euro? I know I'll buy paint. So, so I think that's what, that's what worked, worked with me. And, and it just it held me accountable. And I wanted to put in the house, I put in the house. I didn't go, oh, I can't afford that, so I can't put it in. I just figured it out and put it in that I want. It's because of what I wanted. Because I don't want to be sitting in a room afterwards and go, I regret not putting in that brass border, as an example, yeah. on the floor. So I have no regrets whatsoever, which is which was important to me. And what was an example of the trade-off for that? Was it like phasing other works? Because it seems like you went room by room. For example, now you're working on the the half landing bathroom, the ensuite. Yeah. Is that how you did it? Correct. So what I done was I kind of concentrated on the ground floor was kind of one big overall room with yeah. L- and then we kind of sub sections within it. So for example, the um the kitchen, uh, like, you know, I knew that was going to take a huge amount of budgeting from a kitchen finishing point of view and the appliances and all that kind of stuff. And then at the same time, trying to figure out the flooring for the entire ground floor, you know, getting in getting in the metal studding system, getting in the, the, the insulated plasterboards, getting the cornice replaced, getting in ceiling roses put in, etc. So so just trying to figure figuring it out. Was for the for the when the show aired, I I envisioned having an ensuite done, and I 
I thought I'd have other bits and pieces up and running, but I didn't. I ran out of time and I ran out of funds for it. Yeah. So I was happy to put that down, further down. And I think myself from day one, I'd always kind of set the project. It was going to be a five-year project. Wow. Um, okay. in, my mind, in my mind. So, and I'm only two and a half years in from when I okay. first took a you're, shovel to the floor. You're going to probably finish before the five years. Well, challenge accepted, right? <laughs> Famous last <laughs> words. So, um, but, um, yeah, so I'm like, I, I definitely will have a, a good dent done in the renovation. And so by the time the five years up, I'll probably want to paint the floor or paint the wall a different color or something yeah. again. Like, I'll, I'll always want to do something, I think. How did you do the kitchen? Because that is one really expensive item. Uh, like if you go directly to a kitchen company that can get super expensive, you can do it with a joiner or you could do it with sometimes people do save money by going with their builders, carpenter and sourcing the stone from here, sourcing this. How did you approach that? I actually went to, I got it done through a kitchen company, Savvy Kitchens. They're based in, Savvy. in Turles. Yeah, they're based in Turles. And it's mad. I'm from Tipperary. So like Savvy Kitchens, they're from Tipperary. Soul Energy Solutions, they're from Tipperary. <laughs> I, I, kept, I, I brought them down from Tip to Cork to get these <laughs> things done. And it wasn't a deliberate decision. It just naturally no. happened. Yeah, Quite so- affordable, right? Like a lot of companies are based in Meath, are based in Leash, are yes. based in Tipperary. I think there's just more land and space and maybe labor is more affordable than in coastal cities where cost of living is higher. Correct. And 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 I think what one big thing, now, listen, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I was probably dealing with initially with two or three kitchen companies at the same time, just yeah. to figure out, get a feel for them. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer of, that feeling you get from when you're dealing with someone are you able to kind of get on with them are you able to have a chat with them are you able to kind of like not feel guilty about wanting to change a design because a design mm-hmm. is already done um and you know from the get-go savvy and i could not recommend them enough they were amazing they were open to every single idea i had they always come back with with my ideas or they, they suggest a couple little bits and pieces which, by the way, I ended up putting into the kitchen, and they were absolutely amazing to deal with. I could not recommend them enough. And you know, there was there was other other companies, and they were good, but there was always that there was always that something that I wasn't happy with, and mm. and 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 I felt it was more of a just they were just trying to get a deposit off me to get going. Yeah, where Savvy wanted to kind of build my perfect kitchen with me first, and then we figure out what we're going to do afterwards, budget wise, and 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 all that kind of stuff, and. And they did. They they did a phenomenal kitchen, and it was mad too. Tiny. I remember going into the going into Savvy, and he asked me, "Oh, for the island, do you want a waterfall island?" I said, "No, don't want one waterfall. Don't like them. Don't want it." That's what I have in there now, right? Because when I went into the showroom, I saw when I went into the showroom, I saw one. I went, "Oh my god, I need this!" So, yeah. Uh, so and so then obviously I was going to add an expense to try to figure that piece out as well. And yeah. um, I had luckily enough around a Black Friday sale, there was a local uh, electrical goods store selling, so I went in and bought all my appliances from them okay. and then haggled for more discounts and managed to get it i'll never forget it like on a, on a sunday we were sealing the floor on the monday the engineer floor was going down on the saturday the kitchen was delivered on the following monday the kitchen was going in and on the tuesday the planks were delivered to go in and that was me planning it all out yeah. and i remember thinking all it would take is like one step to go wrong oh here and it didn't it, it was amazing but savvy were just phenomenal to deal with and so nice and so friendly and so helpful and encourage you to be bold a bit which was which yeah. was which was really cool like yeah yeah amazing and what kind of finishes did you go with with the kitchen in terms of like the the finish of the cabinets and the stone and things like that yeah 
great question. So, so the the cabinets itself, it's a it's a slim shaker style uh, cabinets on it, um, yeah. and that was something I really wanted. I wanted a kind of a, a very modern looking kitchen, but I didn't want kind of you know flat. I wanted yeah. something in it, and I didn't, and I wasn't a fan of those wide shaker style doors. I, I think they were very like looking around. They're beautiful kitchens, but I just for me, I didn't want them here. So then, when I went into the showroom and I saw a sample of the kind of slim shaker. Straight away, I knew, yeah, that's the doors I wanted, right? The the stone, I ended up going with um, a, a Wimnara Calcutta gold stone, mm-hmm. um, a quartz stone that's on the island, that's on the kind of around the sink area and on the, the backsplash um, of, of the sink area. And what I love about it is there's these beautiful kind of grey veins, which are very similar to the fireplace veins um, in, in in the living room, which is, yes. so again, it was kind of marrying in and kind of Yeah, they complement each other. Mm-hmm. You do, exactly. And then in the stone itself, then there was, because it's the Calcutta gold, there was yeah. um, some little gold veins going through it. So then I felt that was bringing in the brass handles on the kitchen itself. It was bringing in the brass board around the floor. I kind of went on the switches and the electrical, it's kind of an antique brass on the light fittings. It's brass and so like no it's not ott brass but it's just little bits around and that and i think i was kind of bringing it in and and even then for the actual sink i went with a a gold sink and gold tap and when you see it all together it just it just works it just came together really really well all my appliances where, where they can be they're all fully integrated yeah so the dishwasher i went for a drawer system dishwasher which yeah, is yeah i love really cool. that so is yeah. it two drawers Two drawers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you find so, them fine for big pots and things like that. Yes, hundred percent. It's perfect. Oh my it's god, perfect. And, I love and that. And what I love, because what I love as well is is there's times where you might just have a couple of plates and a couple of bits and pieces. Yeah. You can just put on one drawer, and the other drawer's not even going. Like you know, so so it's 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 pretty it's pretty cool in that sense. And then obviously the building ovens as well. But um, yeah, so it kind of I, I'm actually. For me, it's my kitchen of dreams, really. I absolutely love it. And I mentioned on the show, like, I'm a country boy, that the, the kitchen and living room was the heart of the house. So this is yeah. where we were going to entertain, right? And so it, it, it was lovely to be able to um, just have the have the kitchen in place. And even then, when you're cooking, just look out the bay window and see the lovely view. And it's, it's, it's lovely to see it, you know? Yeah, no, you definitely made the right decision in unifying that room towards the front because that's why you got yeah. the house. It was It was that view and that space i also love the the painted interior of the pantry it's such a little pop of fun and i think it goes well with the vibe like yours and katie's personality like you're very friendly and positive and if you'd done something too restrained it wouldn't have felt like you and then there's that pink painting behind you and the stone wall there's all these little pieces that make it feel really you like you went with a lot of beautiful timeless finishes that go mm. with a classic home, but are also sleek. But then there's these pops of fun that I'm sure Hugh yeah. loved. <laughs> yeah, he loved, he loved it. He loved it. He loved it. And and I and I think I think that was important. Like for me, I'm not living in a museum, so I wasn't going to have like all, all these original features all over the place. And I wanted a bit of modern element to it, but I also want to be respectful. So in the kitchen area, for example, I have an antique piece of furniture. Yeah. Um, which is as just as old as the house, so that's in there. But but then right beside it in is a real modern kitchen, right? So kind of just splashes, but not OTT with it. And but then to your point, to have that splash of color, and actually the funny story about that um, that pink, I was going up to Savvy Kitchens to sign the final contract uh, with them and to sign off on all the colors. And the night before, 
I remember myself and Katie were looking at it and I was going, hey, look at this. What do you think of this idea? Have this splash of pink. Yeah, let's do it. And we just did it. And it was, and no regrets. I'm so happy. So happy with it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us, we, we know from the episode, the, the point that you got to, then what was kind of remaining and how did you juggle that then with having a young family, then the mm. pandemic, you know, coming to a close a year ago, probably life getting busier. And also budget-wise, did you seek a mortgage top-up? Did you seek a credit union loan? And if not, why? Normality started coming back in, so I had to go back into the office. Uh, we, we kind of work on a kind of a hybrid model where we work home two days a week and on, on the office three days a week, but it was kind of busy with that. And obviously didn't have Anquiva, who was just ruling the house now, she's on the move <laughs> and wrecking the place in a lovely way, by the way. And um, so, so, so that was amazing. And then Katie works from home full time as well. So there's quite okay, quite lot to juggle there. And and then also, like, it can be so easy between work and the house, that can take up so much of your time. So Queen was only small once and I wanted to kind of enjoy her as well. So initially when the um, when the show aired, we I stopped all work on the house for at least six okay. months for, for two reasons. One, to help out Katie and and to um and to kind of get her into our routine of helping Quiva grow and feeding and all that kind of stuff. And then number two for me to kind of build up my savings a bit. I ideally I didn't want to be getting any more no any more loans. Um I considered doing the kind of mortgage top up, but I didn't do it yet. I might I may okay. do it down the road, but I didn't do it yet. But then during that time it allowed me to start planning and prioritizing and topping up my to-do list of yeah. what of what of what I wanted to kind of get stuck into next and kind of figure out budgets and start doing research and kind of reaching out to companies to figure out how much things will happen. So then I know I have a rough I have a rough guesstimate then how much things will be and how much budget I would need. And uh yeah so so that's kind of stage I was at and then slowly but surely started getting back into it again. So we did small things like we added some beaded paneling to the hallway, going up along the stairs, going into the main bedroom, repainted the entire Stair with stairs and hall and um, I love that it's so pretty in the oval room yeah. blue. It's oval like it looks blue. edible. It looks like marzipan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. And it's mad because because the show like the 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 cameras for the last recording for the the reveal, they were here on the seventh of January last year, and we literally had plastered that hallway probably a week and a half before that. Yeah. So, so I was waiting for the plaster to cure and dry fully. And then I was like, well, I'm going to paint it. And, I, and there was so much going on to get ready for the show. I didn't want to kind of worry about what paint I'm going to, what, was, what, what color I was going to do. So we actually just painted the same color as you see behind me, which is the shaded white. So yeah. just painted it all that way, knowing that I was going to go back and, and paint it again. And that's what we did. We decided on the oval room blue then and, and painted it. Yeah, so so did, so did so been kind of painting and kind of, you know, cleaning up a bit. There was such a rush job to get ready for the show that there was the doors that were just quickly painted just to get it done in time. And like they were all, there was paint drips on them. So I've been spending time kind of standing up and down and repainting <laughs> and reprepping. So I've been kind of, in a way, doing my own snag list uh, yeah. is what I've been kind of doing and concentrating on. And then at the same time, doing research and, and, and kind of starting to plan the next part. So one piece that we did, for example, we got the, the new sewerage system and it was a mad topy, but we got the new sewerage system put in, but we used cast iron pipes. Uh, so we got that in myself, my dad and my uncle, we put that in ourselves and we joined it up to the, um, to the existing cast iron sewerage system, which is really cool. So now that's going to 
have the ensuite up and running. It's going to have half landman tiles up and running. So they'll be like the half landman tiles is just ready, is ready for second fix. It's ready to rock and roll now as it is. Um, and then the ensuite needs to cut it out and get get it ready. So um, yeah. So this the next eight months there'll be a ton of stuff done in the house and. It'll be nice, like like myself and Katie. We miss a shower so bad. We have a bath here, so a bath every night. Like, can be it can be so time consuming and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we we can't very get Victorian lifestyle. Yes, 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 yes. Oh yeah, exactly. All I'm missing is like just loads of candles around or something like yeah. that. It's the the small things you miss. So, but yes, looking forward to kind of getting the ensuite up and running so we can have that element in it. Uh, even small things like the design, I managed to source a like um, an antique washstand from adverts. So I have that. We're going to put that or sink on that, and just kind of start to kind of source the design and overlook at that, and the, you know yeah. the tiles that we'll be using and so on. So looking forward to that. Amazing. So you've kind of taken your time, and now you're probably like such an expert renovator that like <laughs> you know the places to go to, you know the styles you do and don't like. Whereas at the beginning, yeah. you were probably learning like a hundred things at the same time. And now you're an expert. Would you renovate another? Obviously, this is your forever home. Would you renovate another house as a project to flip it? Yes. 100%. I would. 100%. You're like, I can't mad. wait. <laughs> it is a bug. It is mad how, how upset. Now, I don't know if I would take on a project as much work as this one it'll come to a stage where you know the last brush stroke would be done in the house here and i'm going to go so uh what am i going to do next <laughs> so yeah so it's your I, hobby I, I, now it's my hobby is my thing yeah. so yeah i i really i actually would really consider buying uh, another property to develop and sell on who knows it, it might become a thing for me but um but uh, yeah, so I, I would really consider it. Yes, yeah. So it's mad That's to ask that. So but, cool. <laughs> and, and straight away, I said yes. I knew. I knew straight away. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hmm. that's amazing. And I think uh, somebody would definitely buy your house after seeing what you've done with <laughs> with Glenbrook. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for walking us through all that. Like I'm so excited now, and it's really fun watching your stories. I don't know how you have the time to then also run this Instagram channel, which is like so well done. And like, you're really pulling out like the important pieces for people to know and learn from. Also, your furnishings are, are beautiful. Uh, so you clearly have a great eye as well. Did anyone else help you with the interiors and the finishes? Or was that all you and Katie? It was a great question. So I initially got um, an interior design company in Serpentine okay. Interiors. They were absolutely fantastic. So I got them in initially. And what was mad was, is a lot of the rooms that they did for me, I actually didn't do what they suggested. But... They got my, I suppose, thinking juices going. They got my my creative yes. side going on it, and they really, they really encouraged me to be brave and to kind of figure it out. And now, after saying that, the open room blue was initially their idea. Tracy in um, in, in Superdine, <laughs> she came up with the open room blue for the hall, and it's mad. It, it actually took me then. I got a load of different sample pots, and I was going different colors. But I'd always had gone back to the open room blue for the hallway. And I'm so glad we did it. But uh, it was Tracy who kind of suggested that to me. And then in the sitting room, you might remember, I have that kind of um, brimjal ceiling. Yes. Done. It's like that burgundy ceiling. So fabulous. So, so what was mad is a, a little show behind the scene thing. So you might remember the, the, the scene where Hugh is up on the trolley with me and we're scraping off the, the cornice in the hallway. Yeah. So we had literally just shot that. And um, and what was mad was the cameras had stopped shooting and myself and Hugh were still up there. We were still up there just talking away and, and, and uh, scraping, clean, cleaning off the cornice. And 
the the the, the film crew were actually having their lunch. <laughs> it, was, it was just it was surreal. But Hugh then said, uh, we got off the trolley and said, by any chance, do you have a, a fire and ball color palette brochure? I said, yes, of course I do. Let me get it for you, right? So I got it and, I, and he went to, he went look and said, see this color here, Bim Jal? I said, yeah, paint it, use it in the house somewhere. I was going, really? I'm going, huh? I don't know, I'm not sure about that. And I said, look, look, you're the expert. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. So then I was trying to figure out what we do in the walls, in the sitting room. Um, I knew very quickly I was going to do it in the sitting room. And I was going, well, on the walls. And I was thinking, oh, maybe it's a bit too dark. And I didn't want the, the, the sitting room to be too dark. And, and then I went, here, well, I do it on the ceiling. And uh, so I, I, I said it to Katie, and Katie was going, are you mad? Look at that color. That's not on the ceiling. Are you mad? So Katie, the morning I was going to go painting it, and I got, got the paint in, and Katie said, I can't, I actually can't look at you painting that. I'm not sure about this at all, Rob. I can't look at this. So she left She left the house with Quiva. So I was up in the trolley and tubbing my hand and a brush in my hand. Um, so I, I painted the cornice first, you know, and I was going, right, um, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I not going to do it? And next time I just got the brush and I went, okay, I started. I have to keep going now. And I am Thank so you. glad I did it. And that was yeah. Hugh's idea to use that color. And it is spectacular color. It's yeah. beautiful color. Yeah, yeah, and with, yeah. And with the pink of dovetail too. And I like that you have the, that your front door, I think, is it, is it pink ground? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct, correct. So you yeah, have a yeah. little bit of pink in your, in your front door and this blue, but then you have the kind of, you have, green smoke which i love in your kitchen so the color yeah. palette goes really well together like if you lay out all those colors mm. together they really complement each other and i think that can be really hard to achieve like a color palette sure mm. room by room they can work but together there's these hints of the green greeny blue and the pink i think it's amazing so well done for for being bold with that um yeah, i yeah. cannot believe how long we've been talking this is amazing. i know right <laughs> So we do need to wrap it up. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and people should follow along. So the, your Instagram is Victorian underscore renovation underscore Glenbrook. Um, and thank you so much, Rob, for walking us through that. Uh, do you have any parting words for the aspiring renovator out there? Um, I do. Um, and I think the biggest thing is don't ever doubt yourself, I suppose. If, if, you, if, like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So if, if you're kind of nervous about getting stuck into a renovation of any kind, uh, yes, it can be overwhelming, but don't get stuck into the overall detail straight away. Kind of set yourself little little segments within the house to figure it out. And, and stuff just happens. You, you, you just figure it out. And be be prepared for that curveball that will come your way as well, and and but know that because you know that's going to happen. When it does happen, you don't get as as upset about it, and don't be don't be afraid. Like just because you're not an expert doesn't mean you can't ask questions to builders or to to tradespeople coming in. You know, ask the questions that I want this finish. Oh, it can't be done. Well, why can't it be done? Can we do it a different way? You, you know, it's kind of quite question the norm i suppose yeah and just believe in yourself that you do it and and w- one last piece i'll say is trust trust your gut you can't beat your gut and um, the amount of times that i picked a color and then questioned myself but nearly 95 percent of the time i went back to my gut and which was the original color that i went with so um trust your gut and and, and go with it and if all of a sudden you paint a wall and it's, and it's not the way you want it you can just paint it again right so it's not it's not the end of the world Especially when you're painting it yourself, like you Yes, did. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the beauty and of it. You, you become such an expert at painting, by the way. And it's mad. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm obsessed with doing, doing the cutting in myself. I don't use tape anymore. I use cutting in myself. I love wow. it. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your inspiring journey. I think 
like you said, people, the overwhelm of it is maybe what keeps so many people at bay. If you go one step at a time and sure, you may not have a builder dad, but you can always hire a builder to do part of the works and get guidance from him and be like, I'll do all the demolition. You just tell me what to do. And somebody can very much copy the model you did by just, you know, paying a little bit more to have that builder to, to reach out to all the time. I love the house. I love what you've done with it. And I really hope people will listen and be inspired to maybe go for a house that they adore, but they're not sure how to figure out. Because if your journey tells us anything, they can. It can be done. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks, Tanya. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you for tuning in to the Interiors Podcast. To learn more about our guests or anything we mentioned today, please refer back to the show notes. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at the Interiors Podcast or on my Instagram account, Tanya Neufeld Flanagan. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please subscribe, follow, leave a review, and share the podcast with friends and family. Thank you so much and see you here next time.